welcome to my podcast. My name is Alan Manson and I am here to speak about spirit walking with Jesus and what the Bible says about this and related topics. In today's episode we will be looking at what it means for those who die in their sins to spend eternity in hell. Salvation from this eternal fate is by the gospel of Jesus Christ which we will look at in depth in the following episode. Before we commence today's message, this podcast contains scripture verses from the King James Bible that when I read them out, I occasionally add in words of mine own that aim to clarify what the scriptures refer to from the studies I have undertaken. I therefore expect that those listening will look up the scripture references provided to determine for yourselves if what I say is true or not. I welcome any feedback you may have about this or anything else stated in this message. Therefore, before looking at what represents the gospel or the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for us, we should first look at the bad news so that we can appreciate what he has been able to save us from. Therefore, this brings up the issue of hell and the related questions it raises, such as, what and where is hell? Do good people go to hell? What happens in hell? So firstly, the Bible says that hell is located in the lower parts of the earth, as stated in Psalm 63 verse 9 and Ephesians 4 verse 9. Next, the question is, do good people go to hell? The answer is yes. If getting to heaven was judged by each individual's goodness, Who would then be the arbiter of who was good enough or not good enough for entry into heaven? If it was God, then what standard or reference would he use to judge people by? And if that was so, this would be recorded in the Bible. The fact is, Jesus said in Matthew 19 verse 17 that there was only one person in the universe who was considered good and that was God. So next, uh, what is daily life like in hell? The Bible says there is life and full consciousness amongst sinners who have departed the earth in their inner man, meaning their spirit and soul, mentioned in Ephesians 3 verse 16, and have arrived in hell. Daily life in hell can be seen what is written in Isaiah chapter 14 verses 9 to 11. These words relate to the Antichrist on his arrival into hell prior to him being cast into the lake of fire. So reading from Isaiah 14, 9-11, it says, Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee, meaning Antichrist, at thy coming. It stirreth up the dead for thee, even all the chief ones, meaning the former rulers of the earth. It hath raised up from their thrones all the kings of the nations. All they, meaning those who have known thee during their lifetimes on earth, shall speak and say unto thee, Art thou also become weak as we? Art thou also become like unto us when opposing God? Thy pomp, meaning thy arrogance, is brought down to the grave, and together with the noise of thy viols, meaning their music, their worm is spread unto thee, and the words cover thee. So from this, we can see that those who are in hell are moved to meet others as they arrive. That's in verse 9. 
Conversations are carried on in hell between people. That's in verses 10 and 11, and also in Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31. Hell makes even the most mighty men and women of the earth weak and helpless, as stated in verse 10. Pomp, pride and godless music are brought to nothing in hell. That's in verse 11. So moving on, the Bible reveals that God created hell for the devil and his angels to eventually spend eternity in, as stated in Matthew 25 verse 41. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. That's Jesus speaking. This is because the Bible says this about the devil. And this is from John 8 verse 44. He, meaning Satan, was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. That means that he created the first lies and he's continued to spread lies ever since. No individual, angel or human being who is a murderer and abides not in the truth is not fit to associate with God, especially in heaven. This is because God and Satan are opposites and therefore cannot coexist together. The same applies to men, women and angels who associate with either God and Jesus Christ or with Satan. The point here is that Jesus has ways of determining who is for him and who is against him. In this Jesus said in Luke 9 verse 50, For he that is not against us is for us. Anyone who has rejected Christ as their personal saviour or demonstrated they oppose Bible truth and by doing so indicate they are against Christ and his saints, these will end up in hell after they die. That is the bottom line regarding salvation and of it being lost. So when God created hell, the Bible reveals that he created five distinct areas that constitute the various compartments of hell, namely paradise, Hades, the bottomless pit, Tartarus, and the lake of fire. A brief explanation of these places follows to help provide you with an understanding of God's plan and of his purpose for creating these places deep under the earth's surface. So paradise is the place where all Old Testament saints, and there's no sinners in here, they, and these would have abided by the laws of Moses, um, these died and their souls went to paradise in the heart of the earth. This is because Jesus Christ was to become the first fruits of the first resurrection, as stated. So no one was allowed this privilege prior to Jesus. Therefore, paradise was where these souls went and waited for their Messiah to come and free them from their confinement. It says this in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept in their graves. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. Afterwards, they that are at Christ's at his coming. So this is the focal point here, that Christ is the firstfruits of the various resurrections. So for the penitent or repentant thief on the cross who referred to Christ as his Lord, 
He said in Luke 23, verses 42 to 43, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise, meaning in the lower parts of the earth, as stated in Ephesians 4, verse 9. And Matthew chapter 12, verse 40 confirms that the spirit and the soul of Jesus descended into the heart of the earth for three full days and three full nights before his body was resurrected and he rose from the grave. And then it says in Matthew 12, verse 40, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So the next location is Hades or hell. This is the place where all sinners in both testaments arrive immediately after they die. They are then tormented in flames, as indicated by the account of Christ speaking about Lazarus and the rich man in Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31. Such people in the rich man's situation will remain tormented in spirit form for 1,000 years until the day of their judgment at the great white throne of Jesus Christ which is described in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 to 15. The next compartment is the bottomless pit. This place in hell has a number of functions described in the book of Revelation in chapters 9, chapter 17 and chapter 20. In regards to Satan and God's final purpose for him, it says in Revelation 20, verse 3, And he, meaning the angel from heaven, laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him with a great chain for a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must be loosed for a little season. Therefore, one of the functions of the bottomless pit is to prevent Satan's evil influence on the inhabitants inhabitants of the world for 1,000 years, which will occur during Christ's millennial reign upon the earth. The next compartment is termed Tartarus. This name comes from the Greek word word, uh, Tartaru, and is translated as hell in 2 Peter 2 verses 4 to 5, and verse 9, which says, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness, to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations, and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Tartarus is the place where Satan's fallen angels from Noah's day remain confined because of the sexual sins they committed with the women of the earth back then. It is these women who produced the giant races leading up to the day of Noah's flood. So the final compartment here is the lake of fire. This place is where all sinners who have lived a life any time during the earth's history will be tormented throughout all of eternity as stated in Revelation chapter 20 verse 10, chapter 21 verses 7 to 8. 
This torment occurs after Jesus Christ has judged every individual sinner's works at the great white throne judgment mentioned in Revelation 20 verses 11 to 15. In Isaiah chapter 66, the last two verses say this about people living in the new earth. It says that God will give them a portal to be able to view the resurrected, eternal bodies of the sinners wallowing in the lake of fire throughout eternity. The Bible says in verses 22 to 24 that people in those days will witness these burning carcasses yelling out in agony, not having any rest. These souls will never find rest or be able to die. So quoting from Isaiah chapter 66, 22 to 24, it says, For as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make shall remain before me, saith the Lord. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. And they, meaning those on the new earth, shall go forth and look upon the carcass of the men and women that have transgressed against me, for their worm, meaning their life force within them, shall not die. Neither shall their fire that surges through their bodies each day be quenched, and they shall be an abhorring unto all flesh among those who dwell on the earth as an example to anyone there who considers sinning against God. So you ask, how can such a loving God become so cruel to people like this? God answers it this way, and reading from Romans 11 verse 22, Behold therefore the goodness and the severity of God. On them which fell out of favour with God, severity. But toward the goodness, if, and here is the condition associated with this promise, if thou continue in his goodness. Otherwise, thou also shall be cut off. God also provides a similar warning in Matthew 10 verse 28 regarding whom Christians should fear the most. And he says, And fear not them which are able to kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him, meaning God, which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So with this in mind, let us have a brief look at how God records the sins of sinners living on this earth in preparation for the day of judgment mentioned previously before looking at God's provision for every sinner to help them avoid this terrible outcome. Firstly, everyone born on the earth has angels assigned to them by God. These are termed holy angels and they are provided by him to record everybody's evil works, meaning sins, and their good works. A scripture verse that confirms this claim is is Revelation chapter 14, verses 9 to 11. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he, meaning this sinner, shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb, meaning Jesus. Here God is warning everyone through the Bible reading 
but he will personally torment with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb, those who take the forthcoming mark of the beast upon their bodies. Again, it is either the goodness or the severity of God that people choose. Next in Matthew 18 verse 10, Jesus says, Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones, meaning young Christians entering God's kingdom. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. It is reasonable to assume from this and other scripture verses that multiple numbers of angels, and I say three, are assigned to observe the words and the behaviour of each human born upon the earth as indicated in the scripture verses that follow. Quoting from Hebrews 12 verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of angelic witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So you see there, there's the, the comment about so great a cloud of angelic witnesses. And in 1 Peter 1 verse 12, it talks about which things the angels desire to look into on the earth, which indicates the angels have a role in what is happening on the earth. Interestingly, I believe that Satan similarly assigns one or more of his unholy angels to observe those Christians who are endeavouring to draw near to God to report on what their activities are to Satan, either good or bad and how he can subvert their efforts somehow. The following two verses in 1 Peter 5, verses 8 to 9, tend to confirm this claim. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions of Satan trying to rob them of their salvation are accomplished in your Christian brethren that are in the world. However, it is my firm belief that at any one time on earth, two holy angels observe and record what their assigned human is saying and doing, so as to comply with God's requirement for accuracy and truth, which is demanded under both the Old Testament law and the New Testament law. Here in the Old Testament it says, At the mouth of two witnesses or three witnesses shall he that is worthy of death be put to death. But at the mouth of one witness he shall not be put to death. That's in Deuteronomy chapter 17 verse 6. And in the New Testament Jesus Christ confirmed this by saying in Matthew 18 verse 16 that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word that is spoken may be established. So when one of the three angels returns to earth from heaven after recording in their humans' books what was observed previously, a different angel, uh, different angel then departs for heaven to report on what he has observed. Each of the three angels' observations are then recorded in each individual's books in heaven. These books will be opened at either the marriage supper of the Lamb to determine rewards for faithful servants by God, 
or at the white, great white throne judgment by Christ mentioned in Revelation chapter 20 verses 11 to 15. These books will determine if the sinner is worthy of spending eternity in the lake of fire or not. And in Daniel chapter 7 verses 9 to 11 it says, I beheld till the thrones, meaning of all earthly rulers, were cast down. And the Ancient of Days, meaning God the Father, did sit on his throne to oversee the judgment, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands, meaning of angels, ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand of resurrected sinners stood before him in their eternal bodies that can never die. And the courtroom of heaven was established, and the judgment was set, and most importantly, the books of every sinner were opened. So the point here is that with all this angelic activity going on endlessly to record everyone's good works together with their evil works in their assigned books in heaven, God uses these records to assign either rewards to those who have faithfully served Jesus Christ during their life on earth. And it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 to 15, Now if any man, as a servant of Jesus Christ, mentioned in Matthew chapter 25, built upon this foundation his works representative of gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay and stubble. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day, meaning the day of judgment, shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work that resembles precious metals abide the flames which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, meaning no rewards, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So that's in 1 Corinthians 3 verses 12 to 15. To summarise then, anyone fortunate enough to enter heaven after they die, their works that have been recorded in their books will be passed through a fire to determine whether their works equated to gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay and stubble. The last three materials representative of wood, hay and stubble would be burned up, but the Christian will be regarded by Christ as worthy of serving him in the millennium in a limited capacity. On the contrary, those whose works equate to gold, silver and precious stones, these will be given great rewards that most likely represent such individuals ruling and reigning with Christ throughout the thousand-year millennial period of Christ living and ruling on the earth. One scripture verse that confirms this claim is this in Luke chapter 19 verse 17. And he, meaning his Lord, meaning Jesus Christ, said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, meaning during your lifetime while on earth, have thou authority over ten cities, meaning in my kingdom. All of this comes about because the Bible says every person born upon the earth 
has the potential to be one to be in one of the two resurrections of the human body. The first resurrection is for the saints, the second resurrection is for the sinners. The Bible says this about those who are eligible to be in the first resurrection as stated in Revelation 20 verse 6. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death, or the second resurrection, hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. And in Revelation chapter 21 verse 8 it says, But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death that follows the second resurrection. Therefore, if the true gospel is preached to both Christians and non-Christians, all should realise that if what is written in the Bible can be believed, God is saying that there are potentially great rewards to be obtained as a human being in an eternal resurrected body if one obeys what the Bible tells them here in this life, providing that they then serve Jesus Christ faithfully. However, if there is little or no faith within individuals to research the claims being made, and he or she prefers to take a wait-and-see approach rather than act on biblical instruction in faith, it could be, sorry, could become the most regrettable decision ever made during that person's lifetime on the earth. So this is a closing message for today's Christians. Some 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul warned Christians that false preachers would enter into the Christian churches preaching false gospels that cannot save, as stated in the following verses. And this is from 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 4. For if he, meaning the false preacher, that cometh into a church and preacheth another Jesus, whom we, meaning the apostles as recorded in the Bible, have not preached, or if you receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. So if Christians prefer to believe any doctrine, including a false gospel, that contradicts what is stated in the Bible, this means that they have accepted a heresy from Satan rather than the truth that is contained in the Scriptures. An example of this is the modern doctrine of no works being related to salvation. False preachers claim that if anyone promotes works as being necessary for salvation, they claim such people are working for their salvation, which opposes these two verses in Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 9, which says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a or the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. On the contrary, the following verse, verse 10, says that when we experience the new birth, we are now, quote, created to do good works. So Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created, and I say at the new birth, in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained 
that we should walk in them. If a Christian prefers to believe a lie from a false preacher that denies the need for works, rather than research what the Bible says as the Bereans did some 2,000 years ago, God will then classify such individuals as being deceived by Satan, just as Adam and Eve were deceived by Satan in the Garden of Eden. As God cast Adam and Eve out of his presence because they disobeyed his one command, they are never to be reconciled to him, as stated by Jesus in Matthew 23, verse 35. Therefore, Christians who embrace any one of Satan's lies in their theological beliefs will suffer the same fate as did Adam and Eve in their broken relationship with God. So in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 21, it says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. And Paul states clearly that heresies represents the works of the flesh in this Galatian chapter. This means that any Christian who accepts a heresy without proving whether it is truth or a lie will be classed by God as indulging in the works of the flesh. Such people will not inherit eternal life, as has been plainly stated. The various works of the flesh identified in Galatians 5 must be overcome if the Christian genuinely genuinely seeks to become spiritually minded, meaning born again, and therefore able to obtain eternal life with both God and Christ after they die. In other words, Jesus Christ must be at the top of every Christian's everyday list of people they idolise, even before their children, their spouse, their jobs. In this Jesus said in Luke 14 verse 26, If any man come to me and hate not his his father, and mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, Yea, and his life also, he cannot be my disciple. The word hate here does not mean hate in the literal sense. It means to prioritise the order in which things appear. In other words, number one is preferred above number two, number three and number four. It could be said that numbers two, three and four are hated when compared to number one. So if Christians refuse to serve and worship Jesus Christ in the manner he requires, this indicates that they have hardened their heart towards God and his word, meaning the Bible. This is a very dangerous situation to be in as God can further harden the hearts of such people so that they can never enter into his kingdom after they die, as stated in Hebrews 3 verse 15 and Romans chapter 9 verse 18 as follows. So it says, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. And in Romans 9, it says, therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy and whom he will he hardeneth, meaning their hearts. So the lesson here is that God will only let people on earth into his kingdom who have met the conditions of being Uh, holy as God the Father is holy that's stated by Peter in 1 Peter 1 verse 16 and it's um, an absolute requirement stated in Hebrews 12 verse 14. The next one is perfect as God the Father is perfect mentioned by Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 verse 48 
and appeared before God in their soul without spot, wrinkle or blemish, as mentioned by the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5 verse 27. So I just want to thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope that you have learned something new about what hell represents as the place to avoid in the next life and from which Christ paid a mighty price to save people from going there. My next episode will address the only gospel that is able to save a soul from spending eternity in hell. In the Bible, it is termed my gospel, which represents the Apostle Paul's gospel that contains a mystery. He also says that most Christians, even in his day, failed to obey his gospel, and this situation is much the same today. If the gospel you believe in does not require you to keep obeying it, or it does not contain the mystery that Paul spoke about, I suggest you tune in next week to hear what I have to say. If you have any questions regarding anything stated in this podcast, please add a comment below or write to me at mygospel.info where you will find a contact page from which you can email me. Please follow me in these podcasts and please share this podcast to your Christian friends and family. May God bless you for listening.